Hi, and welcome to Yes Please, your go-to podcast for all things sexuality, pleasure, and orgasms. I've named this podcast Yes Please because that's how I want you to feel about all things sex, pleasure, and orgasms. Yes, please, and more. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality. And I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however. It's about so much more. Personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression, and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert, sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human, erotic, and sexual experience, and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I am a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman, and in my work I specialize in female sexuality, and I work with women with pussies, and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me. Expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you and even though I'm an expert on this topic I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion not a must so take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay hi and welcome again I'm delighted that you're here and now let's dive into today's topic. Hi, beautiful. Welcome back to the pod or welcome to the pod. Today, when I'm recording this intro and the episode, I am just coming out of a really horrendous flu slash cold experience. So you can tell by my voice that I sound very sexy, but not like my usual self. And that's because I was sick. Today's episode is with Frida. And it's a really wonderful one about birth trauma, overtense pelvic floor leading to pelvic and vaginal pain, and what to do about it. So if that's an experience of yours, or if you know a woman who has issues with pain in the pelvic floor, in the pelvic region, in the vagina, send this to her. Frida is amazing and this conversation is amazing and it's a delight to be part of like spreading the word about healing, the healing that is possible in the pelvic region and in post-birth trauma experiences, specifically when it's manifesting as a, a physical pain or physical issues. So, Frida is a trauma-informed yoga teacher focusing on the pelvic floor. She's also wrapping up her training to become a somatic experiencing practitioner. So that's a somatic trauma therapist. And she helps women with tension and pain in the pelvis and vagina to break the cycle of pain and enjoy pleasure in life again. Yes, because you deserve that. And her journey started with her own healing. So she had pelvic floor tension herself due to a traumatic birth experience and a birth injury. And she healed herself and is now helping other women to do the same. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right? This work is so important, so needed. Women need to be heard. They need to be validated in their experience. They need to be told more competent things than just go home and do your kegels. 
They need proper investigation and diagnosing, and they need competent help. And Frida is part of that revolution, part of that mission, and she's doing very important, very positive, impactful work on women's sexual and pelvic health. So I'm so proud of her, and I'm so happy that she came on the pod to talk about this. So yeah, I think that's all I want to say. No, actually, one more thing. Even if you haven't given birth, you still benefit from listening to this. So Frida mentions in the episode that about 50% of her customers and her course participants have never given birth, but they still have a tense and painful pelvic floor. And I also want to say, even if you don't have a tense pelvic floor, even if you don't have issues, current issues with tension and or pain in the pelvic floor, you still benefit from listening to this episode because it's so wonderful when we talk about healing and embodiment and how to befriend your body and how to work with the body. And also we mentioned the importance of having a relaxed pelvic floor for greater health. This is for everyone, not just women who have experienced a birth trauma or have a current issue with pelvic tension and pain. Enjoy. Yay! Welcome, Frida. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you for inviting me so much, Erika. Thank you. Yay! First of all, I just want to say to the listeners, obviously you can hear that I sound very sexy. I've had a bad cold, but I'm I'm better. It's just that it's still affecting my vocal cords and it's in my throat. But I didn't want to reschedule this and I'm feeling well enough to, to be here with you today, Frida. And Frida is a very special person. She's been open and honest with the fact that she's been a student of mine in one of my courses. So I feel I can confidently share that. So yeah. we know, know each other in that way. But she's also a very incredible professional in the realm of female pelvic and sexual health, mm-hmm. right? And birth, post-birth health. So yeah. we'll dive into that. And because I'm pregnant and I'm doing this big you know, thing about birth now on the pod, I thought, oh, I really want Frida to be here and talk about her journey and her Mm. work. So please let us know what was it that got you into this work that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about your journey and the work that you do now, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So the work I do now is due to the fact that five years ago when my daughter was born, I had a birth injury and quite a traumatic birth experience also. And during the postpartum period, I really didn't get the help that I needed because I had a lot of pain in my pelvic floor. And when I went to doctors, they just told me to continue doing Kegel exercises to strengthen my pelvic floor. Because that's normally what you kind of, you know, get when you have problems, issues with the pelvic floor. So I was a really good student there and I was like doing these strengthening exercises. And I just noticed that my pain just continued in my vagina and um, yeah, it was a really stressful period of time for me, of course, having my first child and, you know, tending to her. And at the same time, I had a hard time to walk and to carry her and to hold her, breastfeed her because it was hard for me to sit also to have pressure on, on, on the pelvic floor. So I was really trying to get help for my condition and I didn't really know what it was. So I also went, you know, they did this you know, going into my bladder with a, with a camera, cystoscopy in Swedish, something like that. And because I had also urine tract infections. So I had like five urine tract infections in a row. Um, and later they put me on antibiotics for actually half a year because I, I continued to get these urine tract infections. And of course, that also just made the pain worse. 
I've been feeling bad all the time. So during this period of time, I mean, many times I talk about the, the physical problems I had during these first months. I would say it's like the eight first months after I gave birth, that it was a big, extremely big problem. But also, I mean, my mental issues, they were really severe, I would say at the time, because I had pain constantly and I was trying to get help and it was like no one to really help me. They just told me to continue doing the exercises. Um, and yeah, then finally, eight months after I gave birth, I came to this physiotherapist in women's health. And she was the first one who told me that, well, your pelvic floor is extremely tight and you have like trigger points, you know, she could really press in my vagina. And she found these trigger points and I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is the pain I'm feeling, you know. And for me, that was really an Eureka moment because then I at least knew what was wrong with my pelvic floor. You know, it was, it was tight. I had done too many Kegel exercises and uh, all the urine tract infections, of course, contributed to this tension that I had all the time I like, had in my pelvis. So knowing what was wrong, I really dove into my yoga practice again because I was a yoga teacher already, but more into power yoga you know, handstands, all of that. So this was something new, you know, <laughs> like relaxing the pelvic floor. Um, but I started to do these like exercises, yoga exercises, mainly to relax my pelvic floor. Um, and I noticed that my pain slowly and slowly started to go away. And then finally, yeah, around like 10 months after I gave birth, I came to this amazing gynecologist in Sweden. And she, um, she found also that I was not sutured properly after I gave birth, meaning that I had some muscles, like I still had muscle damage damaged in my pelvic floor. So I had two pelvic floor muscles that were not, not attached properly. And also the, the fascia between like the vagina and the rectum was also damaged. So, uh, and that, that, that had contributed to the pain, of course, but also to this like instability that I felt in my pelvis. Eventually, one year after I gave birth, so this is March 2019, she um, operated on me and she stitched back the, the damaged muscles like, into the perineum. Um, but at that time, I was already pain-free, so which was incredible. I mean, because I had like so much pain for eight months. And then I, I dove into these amazing exercises that I found. And, and then I went on to educate myself more in this field of work, um, yoga for chronic pain, trauma-informed yoga. Yeah, postpartum training, like so many different trainings to be able to really spread the knowledge about relieving pelvic pain and uh, tension. In, in the pelvic floor. So, so after my, my surgery with this amazing gynecologist, I also went on, of course, to, you know, to rehab my pelvic floor because I had a couple of muscles that had not been attached for and not been used for a year. So uh, yeah, then I started to, to rehab. And uh, yeah, now, now it's like five years since I gave birth. I'm fully recovered and uh, I'm helping women who, who are at the same place that I once was. So it's really, you know, paying it, paying it forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy about the, the possibility of being able to spread this forward to these, to these women. Yes. Wow. What a, what a journey it's been. Yeah. And, uh, and women in Sweden are lucky to have you. Thank you. And obviously I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry about the, the suffering that you had to go through and, mm. you know, that's. Usually what happens when we become experts in a field that we, you know, it, it kind of grows from our own suffering or yeah. from our own seeking. Mm. 
mm-hmm. uh, what a what a gift it, it turned into be in the end and how you now can really pay it forward and give women a voice it really feels like like that's a lot yeah. you know I follow you on Instagram and I read comments sometimes on your posts and I just you know I hear women say like finally mm-hmm. I feel seen I feel heard yeah. I feel validated and someone is finally giving me a voice or a language to to explain what it is that I've been what I've been carrying, what I've been experiencing. Yeah. And that yeah. in and of itself is so healing, right? And just such a relief. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, that when I started my Instagram account, I started my Instagram account as a patient, so to speak. Yeah. You know, like so I didn't know that. Women- yeah, I started it like that, you know, because it, 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 I had no training at that time. I just, well, I had yoga teacher training, but, you know, and but I started yeah. as a patient to, to give women a voice, women with birth injuries, a voice. Really. That was yeah. how it started. And then I went on to do all these trainings and, and then I started to put on videos on Instagram about relaxation techniques for the pelvic floor and for calming down the nervous system and all of that. But in the beginning, it really started as maybe like me journaling. You yeah, know, sharing. So if you scroll down, if like four years back, you'll find all these posts. So that's quite beautiful. Yeah, and I and I noticed that that the women who contact me, they feel really, you know, listened to and understood yeah. by me because I do understand them. You know, even though they've had a different journey, I can understand the frustration and pain of of going through, you know, having pelvic tension, pain, trying to seek help, not getting the help you need, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And what I Really love also with my my account to be able to spread the word and also spread these videos about relaxation of the pelvic floor. It's that I mean it's free, so and there is no like danger in trying to relax your pelvic floor. You know side effects, yeah, so yeah. they can just go there and they can try it out and see what happens. You know, yeah. So I really love that. So there are a few different things I want to touch on that I want to circle back to in your story that you mentioned. But before we do that, I just want to ask now, kind of as a, a follow up or a, from what you just said, there are no side effects to relaxing the pelvic mm. floor. Mm. How important is it for women in general to yeah. relax the pelvic floor? Because I think I don't know how many listeners here identify mm. with or have experienced birth complications and birth trauma, but I'm I'm hoping that it's not everyone. So, you know, for everyone who's listening who doesn't have tight or over tense mm. pelvic floor as a result from a birth trauma. Mm. Is it relevant for them as well to relax the yeah, pelvic floor? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to, to touch to touch on that actually because when I started my account, it was basically for women who had gone through birth yeah. and, you know, had a birth injury and maybe they'd got like, tension in the pelvic floor due to kegeling or whatever. But then when I continued with the account, I noticed that so many women who never been pregnant, who never even, you know, given birth, they started to follow me. So now I'd say, you know, the, the, the women who, who applied for my courses, who do my courses, 50% of them, they've never been pregnant. I see. Yeah. And I also found this like statistics in in Swedish newspaper that around 20% of Swedish women have some kind of, you know, a vulvar or vaginal pain. So there's a lot of, you know, women actually going with this, you know, having vestibulitis, vulvodynia, you know, or vaginismus. 
Um, yeah. Or endometriosis can also cause this tension of the, of the pelvic floor too. So different disorders and diseases can create tension in the pelvis. Yeah. It can also be, you know, stress, of course, constipation, birth injuries. Yeah. And also trauma because trauma can really be held in the, in the pelvis because we t- tend to tighten up and, and shrug our shoulders when we are in traumatic stress or in prolonged stress. So um, absolutely. I mean, even though you have not been going through birth, etc. It's a possibility that you might be holding tension in the pelvis. Yeah. And if you want to strengthen it, the, the pelvic floor, by doing Kegels or whatever you want to do, hyperpresses, or, I mean, it's so important to be able to relax um, in between your engaging your pelvic floor. Because yeah. otherwise it's so easy to get overly tight, which is not good. I mean, it's so common thinking like, oh, we want a tight vagina, you know, like the, own, the vagina should be the only muscle in the body that should be tight, you know, because the man will like it, blah, blah, you know. And that's not the case. I mean, the pelvic floor should be flexible, not tight, because tightness can also mean that you, you will have, you know, pain or might be hard to insert a tampon or penetration might hurt. Or also you can have what, what I also had, urgency, you know, that you want to go and pee all the time. Mm. can also be a symptom that you have an overly tight pelvic floor and you need to downtrain your pelvic floor, not do more Kegels. Yeah. Amazing. Hear that, women? You don't want a tight pussy. I say it yes. all the time as well. No tight pussies. No, no. You want a relaxed yet toned vagina. Toned, yeah. And you want a toned, connected, embodied and relaxed pelvic floor as well. Pelvic floor muscles. So... Tell us a little bit about, so for anyone who's like, what? Pelvic floor muscles? Many women don't even know that the vagina is a set of muscles, right? Yeah. It's like wrapped around a a cavity-like kind of tissue Mm -hmm. experience uh, or the vagina is, but it's like these wonderful folds and behind those folds inside the vagina, behind them, there are muscles. So it's not just an empty hole. I say this all the time, but many people and women don't know anything about the pelvic floor at all. Yeah. Like, so could you walk us through like just short? I know. Yeah. I know. I mean, you can probably nerd yeah. on this into details, but like what's the like pelvic floor 101 that people need to know just to understand the anatomical, like the basic anatomical function of the pelvic floor. So they get yeah. an idea of that. Yeah. So the, the pelvic floor is a muscle group that holds up your inner organs really. So that's what it's doing. And uh, like basic, basic, I would say that the, the pelvic floor, this muscle group, it attaches to the pubic bone in the front of your pelvis. And then it goes back to the, the coccyx, so the tailbone in the back. And it also attaches in your sitting bones. So the, the bones where you're, you're sitting at, literally. So if you see that like, you have those four bony points in your pelvis, it creates like this kind of diamond, you know, diamond shape. And there. You have the pelvic floor, there's, there's a bowl that's sitting in your pelvis, basically. And it helps you to release pee and, and poop. So it needs to be flexible, to relax, to lengthen, to be able to, you know, so you can bear down, so you can push. But also it, it helps you to, to contract and not pee yourself or not poop yourself. So it, it holds in, but it should also be able to open. Yeah, kind of like a trampoline. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And that's what I mean, that it should be flexible. So if you need to, you know, if you need to release something from the pelvic floor, you should be able to do that. You should be able to lengthen. It should be able to open up. And if you need to hold something in, uh, it should also be able to hold something in. Yeah. 
I see it also like a flower a bit, you know, that, that it, it, it comes back up, you know, and it's, it's tightening depending on what you're doing, the day-to-day life, you know, if you're exercising, you should also be able to, to contract and then release and so on, but it should also be able to like really blossom and like open up and relax mm. and release. So I'm, I'm really helping the women to, you know, to, to blossom basically, you know, to open yeah. up the flower. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful image. And it's a part of the body that we probably never really think about or even know exists, right? Until we have issues with it. Totally. And then it's like, what the fuck is going on here? And just how essential it is. When I was working as a nurse, specifically, I always found that, you know, when the most basic, basic functions are the ones Mm. that we obviously always take for granted, like peeing and pooping. But when those stop working, Mm -hmm. it's what debilitates us the most. And it's, uh, I feel like because the pelvic floor is so connected to our most very basic functions, like peeing, pooping, having sex, like sex drive. And it's like you say, it's literally at the base of the body. If we didn't have the pelvic floor, all of our intestines would just fall Mm -hmm. out. Yeah, totally. So it's it's really the base of, of the entire body carrying us and holding us up. And then in your case... It was birth trauma that led to getting the recommendation to do Kegels. Yeah. That created an overtense pelvic floor mm-hmm. that led to pain, debilitating pain. You couldn't sit, you couldn't walk, you couldn't carry your child mm. while you were also navigating becoming a mother yeah. and going through the whole like emotional identity transformation, yeah. turmoil, mm-hmm. and all of that. I can't imagine just how hard it must have been to experience that kind of pain and just being like met by such incompetence yeah in in the healthcare system and it's so Mm. shocking when we you know in in the in the medical birthing system like medical Mm. childbirth and maternity system no one gives a shit about the mother Yeah. yeah no one cares if you look at the hierarchy like the power hierarchy and then the priority hierarchy Doctor is at the top, mother's at the bottom, mother's below the baby because the baby is the most important thing. Yeah. Right? We must get yeah. the baby to survive at all costs. Mm. We'll sacrifice mother. Mm. We'll sacrifice mother's experience in the birth and after the birth, as long as the baby survives, right? We'll do yeah. anything to the mother to keep the baby alive. Yeah. And, I mean, I get it. I understand. But where does that leave the mother? It leaves mm. her traumatized, mm. invisible. And absolutely uh, isolated and alone in her experience. Mm. And Mm. we see this more and more, right, with all the birth injuries, with all of the incompetence around suturing after tears. Uh, Luckily, here in Sweden, we don't do epi, how do you say it in English? Uh, uh, Yeah, when you're you're cutting. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, sometimes that that can happen, I think, you know. It it can happen. It's not done on routine. No, it's not done on routine. No. It's not done on routine in in some other countries. In the in Europe, it's still done routinely yeah. Yeah. and without informed consent. Exactly. Uh, but in Sweden, it doesn't. It's only in rare occasions. I think it's only if if they need to use forceps to get the baby out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's when we do episiotomies. I think that's how yeah. you say it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the mother is really at the bottom of the hierarchy, the power mm. hierarchy, and all the way leading up to birth. We go to these maternity checks. We we don't check the mother. We check the baby. Well, yeah, it's really true. I just, I remember, you know, the maternity check. It's like, oh, it's so nice to be tended to. But but you are right, you know, they're, 
making sure that the baby is doing yeah. doing fine. And and I, I I read this like amazing quote that is like everyone wants to hold the baby, but who holds the mother? Exactly. And I think that is really showing the essence of how you know the post postpartum period yeah. can be. And I remember when I was you know looking for help and seeing all these doctors and they couldn't find what was wrong with, you know, why I had this pain in my pelvic floor. Um, and I remember my, my daughter, she had a high fever. So we went to the urgency care like four months or five months after I gave birth. And, and then it was a doctor and he came in and he was like, so was it a, a difficult birth? And I was like, oh, finally, someone who was, you know, paying attention to me. So I was mm -hmm. like, because at that time I was also feeling horrible, you know, with the pain and, and my mental health and all of that. So I was like, yeah, actually it was. I got this like birth injury and then he interrupted me and he's like, no, no, not for you. I mean, for the baby. And I was like, oh, no, she's fine. She was fine. Right. And, and I think it also, you know, shows this when it comes to birth trauma, and I'm talking about birth mental trauma here also, you know, yeah. that it's common, you know, that people can say, well, your baby, you'd be grateful, you know, that your baby is alive. And of course, I mean, the, the, woman, the, the woman can be very grateful that the baby survived. And at the same time, she can have all these feelings about, I wished it would have been different. You know, I wish if someone would have listened to me, you know, I, I, I wished I was held differently or, I, you know, being cared for and have this immense grief and anger also about how it turned out. So, I mean, you can be grateful for that your baby is alive. And at the same time, you can also be angry and you can grieve your birth experience that didn't go as you hoped or as you planned it to yeah. be. And I, I can really relate to that. You know, like you can have two, you know, it's okay to have two feelings at the same time. You can be grateful and then you can also be pissed at the people who didn't listen to what you wanted. Yeah. And, and gratitude won't heal. Gratitude for your baby being alive won't heal your emotional trauma. No, not at all. <laughs> so yeah, you can tell yourself, you know, and people will tell you, yeah, be grateful, be grateful. And what the baby's alive and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yes. And you're still left alone, that isolating feeling of something's not right. I don't yes. feel well inside. Mm -hmm. And I feel, you know, and we're, as a culture, we're getting more used to the word and the concept of trauma and I'll do another episode here on the pod with a birth trauma specialist mm -hmm. so that's coming as well if you're listening and you're and you you're identifying with this and maybe you're for the very first time actually mm -hmm. validating your birth trauma mm -hmm. um as a culture we're also uh I think we also have a tendency now to call everything trauma so yeah. it's like once you open the Pandora's box it's like everything's yeah. trauma but yeah. but for the people that need to heal their trauma, it's amazing that the, that word is getting out there. Yeah. But so I want to hear more about your journey of healing this. Like, yeah. so you were you were a yoga teacher already, and you were doing mm -hmm. all these like, cr crazy yoga stuff, handstands, yeah, exactly. and you know, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you started seeking out yoga, re relaxing yoga postures for your pelvic floor yeah. when you got the sort of diagnosis or whatever that you had an overtense pelvic yeah. floor. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Was it, was it strange for you just mentally to like shift from like, now I'm going to be this strong woman who does all these complicated upside down things and yoga yeah. is about power. And now it's like, well, was that confronting for your identity? Yeah, it was very much confronting because I also have, I'm a martial artist. 
and I have black belt in jiu-jitsu. So I'm oh, very much even more. <laughs> I'm a power person, you know, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to fight through this pain, you know. And exactly. that is not a good, that is actually not a good approach when you're in pain that you want to fight it, you know. When it comes to lasting pain, persistent pain, we really need to take a step back and just like, okay, how can I surrender more into this? You know, not fight your pelvic floor, but more like listen to it, you know. Um, yeah, how can I relax into this? And, and of course, for me, uh, what was really important was also to, which I noticed that during the postpartum period that. I was so focused on my baby or on fixing this pain. So that was actually what was taking up, you know, space in my brain at the moment. So then when I started to also do things a little bit, tiny drops of what I liked to do, my resources, you know, like reading a book or maybe, you know, my, my partner could take care of the baby for a while. So I could just be me for some time and just do the things I did before my daughter came. And that also helped. It gave me space. To, to relax and just enjoy and uh, yeah, feel like tiny drops of pleasures. And that was also super important for, you know, my pelvic floor to, to relax. Um, yeah. So it's a combination because I mean, when I look back at this, like the reason why my pelvic floor became so tight, yeah, it was a traumatic birth and yeah, it was a birth injury and yeah, it was, you know, the urine tract infections, but, but it would also like a lot of anxiety, like really a lot of anxiety. and. When you're anxious, the pelvic floor will automatically clench, even though if you don't notice it, but it, it clenches. And it's like this, you know, we are animals. <laughs> so, I mean, when a dog is afraid, if it's frightened, he will put the tail between his legs. And we do the same, you know, with the tailbone, really, you know, clenching the butt and trying to hold everything in. Um, so also all these practices I did was also very much focused on down-regulating my nervous system, like releasing the anxiety. Basically, when I started to feel safe again in my body, the pelvic floor relaxed. It was very much, you know, a combination of that. So I want, just want to highlight that. Like, yeah, okay, you can Google pelvic floor exercise and relaxation on, on the internet. I'm sure there are a bunch of, of videos there for you to try. But, you know, you can stretch and you can bend and you can massage your, your pelvic floor as much as you want. But if you are living with chronic anxiety, if you have worry, you know, you're, if you're afraid, if you, if you feel unsafe in your body, that will not help. It might give you a little bit of relief at the moment, but as soon as you're getting up on the yoga mat or whatever, the pelvic floor will clench again. So here it's really about, you know, working deep with the nervous system, creating safety in the body. It's okay to surrender. It's okay to let go. And that's why I also now am, I'm studying well, trauma-informed yoga and also somatic experiencing, trauma therapy, as I'm becoming a trauma therapist, because I really see this, you know, that when it comes to tightness in the pelvic floor, it's not so much about working with the muscles. It's about working with the nervous system and make you feel safe. I think that's the most important thing here. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's a very similar approach to, well, of course, you know, pain during intercourse. Yes. Right? And usually women go to the doctor and they say, well, have some wine. Mm -hmm. Relax. Or, yeah. Here are some dilators. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. I mean, there's a reason that the pelvic floor clenches. There's a reason why your, you know, pussy is contracting and uh, it's probably a good reason for it, you know, but exactly. yeah. So we want to be curious what, what, you know, why is it doing that? And because it's protecting you from something. And I mean, you can open, if you, ha if you think about the, the vagina as like a fist, a closed hand, that fist can be open in different ways. I mean, you can try to bend it open 
with force and like, you know, massage it and put things into it and just bend it open. And it might open up like this door, like in the wind, you know, it's coming up and then it closes back in again. Or you can really, you know, see what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel relaxed. And then you slowly, slowly, the fist will open and, you know, and then it is okay. Then it, it comes back in again and contracts a little bit, you know, because it wants to protect you. So it's okay. And then it might expand a little bit more and contract a little bit more, you know. It's really one drop at a time when we work with these kind of conditions. And you really need to have patience. And so, also, I mean, self-acceptance to the process. Yeah. And eventually, hopefully, self-love. You know, that you're working as a team. Not you against your pelvic floor or pussy, but you work together. And you see what can make my pelvic floor feel safe at the moment. What can make my body feel safe at the moment? Mm. Yeah. It's such a beautiful message and it's so true. And I 100% agree and stand behind that and use the same approach in my work. And it's so, so, so important what you what you said around your body is contracting for a good reason, right? It's yeah. trying to protect you. And so when we have something like pain or we have, you know, it can even be other conditions as well. If you look at it from a less medical and reductionistic, like limited point of view of like, this system inside the body is just misbehaving, exactly. right? Yeah. Because uh, that's how mm-hmm. we like to think about our yeah. bodies when they're not operating optimally. You are misbehaving. You are bad. You are mm-hmm. ruining my life mm-hmm. and I hate you. And like you said, you know, it's so, it's not unusual when we have something that comes back chronically or like re- recurring that we want to go in and like bite it because yeah, exactly. we feel it's fighting us. Yeah. Right. And instead switching to, hey, what if my body's trying to communicate something to me? Mm-hmm. What if my body's infinitely wise and it's doing something because there's a good reason for it? Yeah. What if my body is actually conscious and understanding way beyond what my mind can fathom mm-hmm. and even, I don't know, like conceive in my mind, like how yeah. infinitely and deeply and vastly conscious my body is? It's doing something that is beyond my understanding. And, and so, like you say, like just go in and find the clues and understand why is it doing this? Why does this keep happening? What am I not paying attention to? Exactly. What is my body yeah. saying no to or saying yes to that mm. I'm not understanding? Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I would like to add thing, to uh, two questions there as well. It's like, what if the pelvic floor is not fighting against you? that it's fighting, but it's fighting for you. And also, what is the threat? Yeah. You know, that is also a, a good question, you know, to, to ask. And questions. Yeah. Because for some women, you know, the threat could be, yeah, that it was a traumatic birth, that you, maybe you need, you know, somatic trauma therapy in order for the pelvic floor to really let go. No, or, or other things happened, but it's just good questions to ask, your, to ask yourself, what is the threat? When does this start? And the threat might have been there your entire life, you know, that it might have been in the childhood, a lot of anxiety, because I see a lot of women like that, you know. Um, good girls, right? Good, so, very, yeah, so much very like that. Good, good girls. Yeah, very, very good girls. I, I see a pattern in women who yes. have vaginal pain and maybe it's exacerbated by a yeah. traumatic birth or just by yeah. birth in general or physical mm. birth injury during yeah. birth. Yeah, yeah. Right. And maybe that physical injury, I don't know about this, but mm. it's more prone to happen to women with tight pelvic floors because they don't yeah. open. So there's a force, right? Exactly. Exactly. There's, um, but 
I see this with women with vaginal pain. They're very good, high-performing women. Totally. Very personalities. A personalities. Yes, very. They hold themselves to very high standards. Yeah, and that's why you know, with with my work, um, the exercises I do, because I'm also trained in in essential somatics, and I bring in some Feldenkrais exercises, and they're amazing, really, for connecting to the body in in a safe way. And in essential somatics, for instance, we say, you know, that okay, can you do twenty percent of your max? And I mean, for these women. They don't know, you know, their max is like 200% compared to like a normal, you know, quote unquote woman, maybe, you know, they're pushing themselves too hard and it's hard for them many times to know the boundaries. So this is something new. I'm like, dare to do less. See what happens, you know, if you do less, because there's like no pain, no gain does not work here. (laughs) You know, it's, it's when it comes to the pelvic floor, it's quite the opposite. Really, you need to move really close, like slowly and consciously, and be aware of where you have the yes in your body. I mean, how far you can move in certain exercises, and be really conscious about where the no is. And many times they will see a pattern of, okay, wow, here is the no, but I didn't listen, or I, I heard it, but I, or you were not aware of it, and you push through. So, move like what is really beautiful with these exercises that I do, slow, slow like dynamic exercises is that they can start to um, sense their boundaries and limits and they can stay within their range of yes. And the range of yes can be a tiny, tiny movement and that will surprise them. And that many times will be like, oh, I should be able to move further. You know, so there might come this conflict also inside of them to also work with. And many times I say the way you approach your body on the yoga mat is the way you approach your body outside of the yoga mat in the day-to-day life. And I mean, it's great if you do, let's say you do 10 minutes yoga a day. Okay, fine. That's good. I mean, it's increasing blood flow, etc., in, in your pelvic floor and the rest of the, your body. But the, the most important thing is really what are you doing the rest of, you know, the 23 hours and 50 minutes of the day? How are you treating your body then? Instead of, you know, you rush your yoga mat, you do some stretching and blah, blah, Then you get up and then you, may, you might still be stressed and you might still be pushing your body outside of your comfort zone all the time. And of course, the body will start to scream eventually. Some people get migraines. Some people get, you know, jaw pain is very related to tension in the pelvic floor too. Or you might get, you know, pain in your belly, gut issues because it's, you know, the body is, is, is warning you. It's a danger alert. Something is going on. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. And for some women, it, it goes in tightness of, of, of the pelvic floor. Yeah. It's such a beautiful conversation, Frida, and such an important reminder that the body's not your enemy. Yeah. Um, and you are your body, right? Yes. I mean, you're also more than your body. So but it's a profound spiritual teaching and understanding and mindset shift. As you're sitting here listening, recognize that you are your body. Yeah. Like you cannot separate from your body when you do that. You are totally identified with your ego yeah. and your mind. And when you're in that identification with the mind, you can attack your body because you are separate from it. Yeah. And there starts the violence, right? It's, yes. a, it's a form of inner violence towards the self. And so what you said about accepting the pain instead of trying to fight it, eradicate yeah. it, remove it, get it yeah. out of your system, right? Because that's what we want to do with uncomfortable mm. things. And that's how we approach most things in our culture. You know, you want to weed it out, pull it yeah. out. No, you got to you gotta say, hey, 
you're my friend. I love you. Come here. And that's the most like shocking thing for people to hear what I have to accept my pay. Yeah. I have to bring it close to me. Mm -hmm. I have to surrender to it. Yeah. So, so, so hard. But in that actually lies incredible liberation. And that's where the seed of healing is planted. Yeah. I would like to um, like tell a little story about this, what you just shared, you know, about, you know, accepting the pain and not working so hard to fix it. It's because actually, you know, to, you know, stretch and, and do all these things, I mean, can also be very counterproductive because it can also create more, even more tension. You know, if you are a personality, someone who's pushing yourself a lot, I mean, just adding one more thing on your to-do list, like, okay, I have to do this and this exercise and I found this on YouTube, try to fix my pain. It might actually not work, you know, because it's, it's again, something you add on your list. It will be overwhelming and it creates even more tension. So, um, a couple of months ago, like half a year ago, I started to notice when I was about to fall asleep that I, I felt this tension in my pelvic floor coming up because I was in this stressful period of time then. And I, I felt like, okay, I'm, my pelvic floor on the right side is contracting. And at that time I was in my bed and of course I could have gone up and I can do all the exercises, you know, I have, and I, I, I even knew which muscle of the pelvic floor that was contracting. So I could probably, you know, just find that exercise that would target kind of that muscle. So that was an option. But then instead, when I was, when I, when I noticed this happening, the tension coming up, I asked myself the question, what in my body at this moment feels okay, you know, feels comfortable. And then I noticed that my entire upper body feels, you know, spacious and calm and, and all of that. So I was like moving my attention to that part of the body. And I was like, if it had a collar, what would it be? You know, and really diving into that and exploring what felt good. Because many times, you know, if you have something that feels bad, the nervous system is so acquired and it is constantly sending danger signals about that part of your body. You need to fix this and that. And what happens then is you don't feel many times like a whole body, like we were speaking about. You feel like, okay, I am a pelvic floor, basically, I'm, you know, and because it is uncomfortable to me. So that is what I'm noticing. And you start to forget about other parts of your body that might feel good because Pleasure and pain can coexist, really. So at that time, I moved my attention to my upper body and I was like, I have this collar and I was just focusing on that for a while. And then I just noticed automatically that my pelvic floor relaxed. There was no threat in my body, you know, it was completely fine. I just noticed this safety within my upper body and my pelvic floor relaxed. And uh, yeah, so, you know, a very simple exercise. Actually, and it, it, it's not about to dissociate from the pain. It's not nothing about, like, oh, I don't have it now, you know, pretending that you don't have the pain. That's not the case. It is about expanding the awareness and seeing yourself as a whole body. At the same time, you have tension, maybe a little tension like I had on the right side of my pelvic floor. You have an entire upper body or whatever that feels okay. Or you might have hands that are okay. And for many women, when I do this exercise, it's a really and a hard moment for them. Like, oh, it felt like my whole body was in pain and they were fighting against their whole body. And then they noticed, now actually I have parts of my body that feel, that feel okay and I can rest in them. I can just be in my body for a while without trying to fight it. It can be comfortable to, to relax in my body. And maybe it will be comfortable for you to relax in your body for five seconds. That's great. Celebrate that. You know, you don't have to, you feel like, okay, I have to stay here for, for such a long time, you know, just small 
pleasure drops where you can feel safe in your body for five seconds. And then you will notice when you practice this exercise that again and again, and you will be able to feel more safety within your body because you have islands of safety in your body. So you will start to notice, okay, my hands feel okay, but okay, well, I notice my, my pinky toe also feels nice, you know, and then you will all of a sudden, you will start building this map of safety islands, islands of safety. And then you all of a sudden you're creating a whole country, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden you have an experience of being da da da, da embodied. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Instead yeah. of just up here worrying about yeah. the pain and the pain, like triggering all the yeah. danger parts in your brain and alarm going off and mm -hmm. like, like you said, reducing your entire experience to just one uncomfortable, painful area, problematic area. Yeah. And yeah, from those yeah. safety islands, all of a sudden you have expanded your, your inner sense of self and become embodied. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share that we haven't talked about that you think is important to know? And then I'll also ask after that where mm. people can find you and your, you know, sites and Instagrams and all of that. But so, so that will come. But um, in terms of like, related to, to healing or to the work that you do or the conversation mm. that we have, is there something we haven't talked about that you feel oh, I really want to mention? Yeah, I think we we've talked about the most important piece and I would just like to highlight again, slow is fast. Less is more. Like, don't add anything more to your list, you know, like, or see if it's better to see, is there anything I can reduce from my to-do list? Can I, can I, you know, take something away from my to-do list and to add something else on it? And it's really about, you know, start to explore your body with curiosity and playfulness because curiosity and playfulness they are the antidote to trauma and antidote to pain. So if you have the curiosity, you know, like a child that's playing and you see the body like that, when you are, you know, checking in with your body, you're like, oh, okay, interesting. That on the right side, it's, it's tightening up. On the left side, it's not, you know, that will create so much more relaxation in the body instead of like, I'm going to scan and see what's wrong here. Okay, now that's what's happening. You know? So it's really to reprogram the brain, reprogram the nervous system to use this curiosity of the curious exploration of the body. Start to expand awareness and, and also find what, what feels good within the body. And it's not easy. I also want to say this. It's not easy to do this because we are so used to, we have a pattern many times to, you know, to, to, to see and, and find within the body that what, what feels, what does not feel okay. Because of course, I mean, the body wants to protect us. So yeah, which is amazing. Sometimes the body is just overly protecting us. And that's many times the case when it's like a persistent tension of the pelvic floor. So slow is fast. Slow is fast. I agree. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I would add uh, what you just mentioned before was bring in pleasure. Let pleasure mm -hmm. be part of the journey. It can be sensual pleasure, yeah. sexual pleasure. Obviously, I talk about this is what this yes. whole podcast is about. Yes, but it could also be non-sensual and non-sexual pleasure. Like you mentioned in the beginning, I allowed mm -hmm. myself to read a book and feel a sense yeah. of like pleasure of the soul, pleasure of yeah. the self. Is it the tea that you love? Is it spending, mm. for example, when I was quite depressed and going through a really hard time after giving birth and the pandemic, I would, <laughs> I don't know how much money I spent on this lots, mm. but I would mm -hmm. go out and I would buy lattes at my favorite oh. cafe. And that felt like a pleasure. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Amazing. And I was like, I could drink coffee at home and it would cost what, like five crowns. And here I'm paying like 50 crowns for coffee, like every single day, but it's giving me pleasure, it's giving me mm. something and it's worth it. 
So whatever it is, like bring in pleasure because pleasure is really important in the healing journey because it gives your body an alternative route and it's so important. So, so, so Mm. important. Yeah. Um, But I love what you said. Slow, slow is fast and less is more. And yeah, definitely Mm. reduce, 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 and just allow yourself to expand into Mm. that. Yeah. Amazing. And so if people resonate with you and your work, where can they find you? Where can they learn more from you? Tell us. Yeah. So my website name, everything is in Swedish, but of course it's possible to like Google Translate it. Um, my website name is it's, uh, heltunderliv.se. So heltunderliv, it's the Swedish word for basically like whole vagina kind of thing, like whole pelvic floor. So yeah, heltunderliv.se website and also heltunderliv. It's the name of my Instagram account. And I'm also on YouTube. Yeah, and you do courses. You have different courses, right? You have yeah. This, you do different like free events like I do every now and then. You provide a lot of free content yeah. Yeah. Uh, that people can do. So like we said at the beginning, this work is for everyone, not just people who have given birth or who have uh, current issues with like pain or tension. So even yeah. if you have like a, a kind of healthy vagina mm. slash pelvic floor, relaxation and detensioning practices is supportive for your health and sexual well-being. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Frida, for being here and for sharing. Well, I was going to say all of your wisdom. It's not all, but some of your wisdom and for having this wonderful conversation with me and for, yeah, again, giving voice to women who are usually unheard and and for the inspiration that you bring to to this area. Yeah. And thank you, Erika. Thank you so much for for inviting me. It's lovely to talk to you. Okay. Beautiful. Bye-bye. Okay, my friend, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something new today or that I reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex, pleasure, and orgasms in your busy life. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next time.